Hey, it's Keith from Alien Ghost Robot Creative Media. Two quick notes. First, hang around after the credits to hear some trailers from other audio fiction podcasts you might like. Second, if you're enjoying this show and would like to support it and other programs like it, I'd be thrilled to have you join my Patreon. You can listen to all our shows ad-free and get some cool perks too. The link is in the show notes or at thelovetalker.com. Thanks. The Love Talker is a folk horror audio fiction production and contains mature content, including adult language, violence, domestic abuse, and sexual assault. A complete list of content warnings for this episode can be found in the show notes. Listener discretion is advised. For the best audio experience, we recommend listening with headphones. judge me, outsider. Have you ever lived in shadow? Or have you ever walked where my steps took me? Or have you ever ate the thin food of the mountainside? The world is not how you reckon it is. The world is wild, and fools believe it tame. You build a house within the wilderness and turn your back upon the wild outside? You think your city is a refuge from it? For there are more of you gathered, huddled? Do you believe your comforts keep you safe? The land is wild and it has e'er been thus. A house built in darkness dwells in darkness and always shall. Only a fool thinks aught. They ran the electricity out here in years past. Put a light out in the street, as if that light could keep out the evil. The evil dwells within the world itself, was made with it, as herbs crushed together. Oh, how do you reckon you'll keep all that out? Ginevra, they called me at my birth, then sister, after mother schooled me true. I learned the deep truths, all the healing herbs, the way of living, way of dying, marks of power, prayers, the mother's three, the old language spoken by day and night. To be a sister is an honored place, and that hard-taught, hard-won meant for the strong. It marks a body, 
as sharp knives mock flesh. Such sacrifice and such solitude astride the path between the world of men and the world of truth and all else there is. Oh, you can't know the dire and dreadful things that I have seen in years, sister here. What judgment think you can lay upon me? What understanding do you have of me? If you but knew, you'd fall upon your knees. Humility and thanks upon your lips for what I do to keep my people safe and keep the darkness away from your door. And you do not know all that I have lost. What's this? Mother. Yara. And Lavinia. Right, Lavinia. Oh, sad sister of mine. My sister who was to become sister, taught true and right, there at her mother's knee. And this? Our Lady Cecil. These? Elderberry. I was going to say that. Be still, Geneva, and get back to work. But, Mama, I know the healing herbs, too. Tis not your business to know the herbs. Get to the church, see to the floors. Lavinia and I go to the Eastern Ridge and we'll be back ere dusk and dark. I want to be your sister, too. I... You mind your tongue. Lavinia is older and it falls to her. She will dare to walk in the thin places as I do. To care for Kill Ruin and its people and bargain with the dark. It is a hard life, but your sister was born for it. Look at her. Strong, quick-minded, and beautiful as I was. She's going to need all her gifts to survive it. It is full of dangers neither of you girls right reckon yet. You should be grateful I spare you it, Genevieve. Now get you back to the church and do as I say. Yes, Mama. Lavinia, get your medicine poke and come along. Never get too late. It's all right, little bird. I'll tell you everything I learned today when she's gone to sleep. She loves you best. Don't say that. Being a sister is important. The safety of the whole mountain depends on it. She just demands a lot from the both of us. Lavinia! Bye, little bird. Mother was the strongest woman I knew. Stronger than I. Stronger than Lavinia. When our Lavinia grew to carton age, my father, cursed be his name, came for her. Mother was away, you see, gathering herbs. Lavinia and I tried to fight him off, but he used his fists, broke my jaw, and then took what he wanted from her anyway. So Mother saw us both to the doctor, and when we returned, Papa was stone dead. A heart attack is what the doctor said. I recollect Mother being so calm just a sip in her tea with the sheriff. He soon left, and that was the end of that. We built our house in darkness. But the darkness, it still remains. It was a year and a half after Papa's death when he took her. She came home late after dark, midsummer. The nights were filled with song. Catamounts howls, the chorus of frogs and of cicadas. Of course, we drew the marks and said the prayers, the same as always, same as every year, get home before dark in the summertime. 
Lavinia should have known better than most. We let our guard down. We grew complacent. Never take your eyes off of evil. It's my own fault. I should have seen the signs. Lavinia came in breathless and pink-cheeked, something wild and excited in her eyes. After she had said sorry to Mother, we went to bed, and she told me about him. I met someone, little bird. Someone? A man. We all knew the men and boys of Kill Ruin. Plenty was sweet on pretty Lavinia. She had her eye on one or two of them, but hadn't done anything about it. From where? Kip Kibney? I don't know. <laughs> Didn't you ask? No. We never got around to it. Where'd you meet him? At the Fallen Mansion. Up to the ridge. I was gathering holy basil and he was standing there. Under a black oak. His hands and feet were bare and dirty. Like he'd been digging in the soil. But his trousers were pressed. His shirt looked new. Like he had money? Maybe. And he was handsome. So handsome, little bird. The sun was going down, but I could still see him. Strong arms, full lips, a voice so soothing and sweet. I could spend a month of Sundays watching the bob of his throat and the dance of his mouth as he spoke. Red hair. Red hair is bad luck. Maybe. But I don't care. Well, did, did you do anything with him? We just talked. I love the way he talks to me. What'd you talk about? Oh, so much I can hardly remember. He knows these mountains. And he told me about secret places he goes. About how the land has changed. And he asked about me. And we talked about how I was to become a sister. I told him about how I like to press flowers and how I love music and that I'm a good dancer. And I asked if he might want to go to Black Log one weekend and I'd show him. You did it. <laughs> I did. I did. He said he'd study on it. And then I talked about how I love the summer because the morning sun comes through our window and right on my bed so I can wake up feeling warm and alive before it goes behind the mountain. He... Said he admired how my schooling brought me closer to the world. He said I was pretty. He said most women are dull and stuck in place. But I was free. My soul was free. And he liked that. And I liked that too. What's his name? I I don't I don't remember. I don't think I asked. How could you have talked to this man for so long but not have asked his name? I was not like that sort of talk. Courting or socializing under watchful eyes with all the rules and how-do-you-do's. It was real, Genevieve. He talked to me like I was real. He was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And all we did is talk. This doesn't sound right. A stranger up near the ridge? We're not even supposed to go up there. And Mama is going to want to know his name. I'll find out when we meet again. But you have to swear to me not to tell her until I'm ready. You're going to meet him again? Tomorrow at dusk. But swear to me, little bird. 
Sway. Ask Woe. God and Mother's curse may fall it. And as the days passed by, she would come home long after dark, smiling, always smiling. Her eyes were far away, left behind her from wherever she had been all day long. And she would giggle and whisper to me about the handsome man up in the woods, the places they walked, the things they talked about, the poetry of nature and the wilds, of secret songs are carried on the wind, of blush-tinged, sweaty yearnings and longings, of the tyranny of obligation and being true to one's more fickle heart. I asked her what she did with him up there by the ruined mansion, so late and so long, and she would only laugh a secret laugh or shake her head, twigs still in her long hair, and say I couldn't ever understand. Then, gradually, she became distracted. Her mind was crowded with her thoughts of him. Mother grew angry with her carelessness, and no amount of whipping brought her back to the here and now for very long. She slept till noon, laden with heavy dreams. I could not wake her, though I tried and tried. Mother thought it was a sickness at first, tried the remedies and the medicines. She even took her to the slippery doctor who of course could do nothing good for her. I would wake at night and find my sister kneeling on the bed, her nightgown cast off, her hands pressed to the bedroom window, staring out of the dark, smiling, waiting. One morning, I awoke to find her gone. Her bed was empty, the things left behind. So sick with guilt and fear, I broke my vow. I told my mother about the man and the things he and Lavinia talked of. And mother knew right then what had happened. The men of the town helped search the woods. We found her the next day in her nightgown. Her feet and hands cut from branches and stones. Poor child. She had gone to look for him. But he left her. He had abandoned her. I can't say if that was more cruel or not. We took her home, tried to help her, soothe her. We did our best with what he left behind. Like heavy clouds passing before the sun... She would suddenly weep with such heartbreak. But then just as suddenly, it would pass. She'd smile with hope, convinced he still loved her, and wander the woods once more to find him. Mother locked her down in the root cellar, posted the witch marks all about the town, and prayed to the mothers every day. But Lavinia was inconsolable. She thrashed against the door for hours on end. Days turned to weeks. She never got well. The doctor gave her laudanum to help, but there was nothing more for us to do. 
So it was the week before Lunasa and Mother went to Kib Kibney alone. I was tending the graves outside the church. Behind the mountain, the sky was cloudless. The sun bright and warm in the afternoon. Then my sister's laugh carried on the wind. I thought it was some strange bird song at first. I looked up, up beyond the church and Moa, up along the sheer face of naked rock above the town. The top of hot sour drop. Oh, there she was. My beautiful sister in a ragged shift with bloodied hands. In her zeal to open the cellar door, her fingernails got caught within the wood and she carelessly tore them all out. It fell to me to clean them up after. Lavinia felt no pain in her fingers as she stood on the ledge. She only felt the pain within her heart. Lavinia held out her arms. Catch me, beloved. And she fell. I watched her body plummet like a stone to break upon the ground next to the church. My beautiful sister. Ruined. Riven. Her still warm blood beating the silent graves. Her head lays unnatural like. Looking up at me. And then her last bubbling breath pushes her lips into a lost and vacant smile. Many have fallen from hot sword drops heights. Many have bled upon the churchyard stones. Mostly women, bodies mangled, smiling. Their dead eyes still searching for their lost love. My mother changed after Lavinia fell. More than bodies break in the mountain shade. This one. Uh, Amaranth. Which? Green Amaranth. And this? Uh, bitter ash bark. Also called? Uh, bleeding heart. My mother prayed in church unceasingly, performed the old rites of meat and spilt blood, filled the church with incense on holy days. What little kindness the mountain hadn't taken from mother died with Lavinia. Her beloved daughter dead in her time, the one to take her place as our sister. And I was left to stand where she once had. A poor replacement and cause of her loss. You must be quicker, Genevieve. You must ever be vigilant. A poor watch let him creep close. A poor watch took Lavinia from me. This is what failure means. Now, draw me across, not Mark. She taught me all the lessons my sister was to have. And ones I did not expect. Mother, can we not 
kill him? Drive him away? Banish him? Who? Can Can you kill the moon? Banish a storm? No. Best you can do is protect yourself and all of us. Well, can we bargain with him? Well, what would be the cost? Genevieve, would you give yourself to him to have your sister back? Yes. Would you give some other girl to him to have your sister back? Yes. Why? Because not every girl is as good as Lavinia was. Mother? You can get back to work. She prayed to Mary, Bridget, and Easter, and she recalled the rites of midsummer. And to save the good, bright girls of Kilruin, we brought back Hiding Day on the mountain. The first did not go so well. But mountain folk understand sacrifice. Mother never slept all that well again. She started awake in the heart of the night to peer out of the windows with wide eyes, wander through the church and check all the bolts, relight all the incense that had gone out. Some days she would sink into a silence, staring at the wall for many hours. Some days she would fly into a strange rage and punish me for my many mistakes until I bled and she was exhausted. Is that window closed? She grew old faster than she ought to have. He's gone cold. Her hair turning white long before its time. I don't see anything. The world beating wrinkles into her face. Genevieve, get up. Get dressed quickly. One morning, unexpectedly, Mother showed me Kilruin's darkest, terrible secret. Winter was finally passing into spring, though mornings were still bitter with cold. New shoots pushed up through the rocky soil. John Doyle waited for us outside the church, his hat in his hand, looking pale and sick. John Doyle was a hard man, scared of nothing on the mountain that walked in the daylight. John Doyle had quiet, terse words with Mother, and then he left us, his duty discharged. We took the winding trail toward the ridge, away from Kilruin, and told the bald. Its cries carried through the fog-clouded air. Mother, what is it? The mountain has given us another child. It was a girl, naked, perhaps two years old. At least, most of her was a child. There were sores on her body that erupted with stiff hairs and ran with yellow pus. The child's arms were shriveled, deformed, ending in two fingers only that curled like worms. She wobbled on bowed legs, There were wounds all over her body. 
I think animals had taken little bites of her, but then given up at the taste. And the smell of her. Rot. Puss. Soil. Mother! Stand your ground, child. But it's coming. Get the blanket. Stay alert, girl. She will bite you if she can. The child was blind, but it could hear us fine. Where her eyes should be instead were two craters of wet blackness that oozed down her ruined and split open face. And her mouth. Her jaw was unhinged. It had to be. Otherwise, there was no room for the twitching, sharp mandibles to come out. Now! I swallowed my sick and did not vomit. Hold her. Mother wrapped it in a heavy blanket, and when it began to thrash, she bound it with leather belts until it could not move. This is one of a sister's most important duties, Denevery. Children of the mountain will appear from time to time. We find them. We kill ruined animals born like that. Why do we not kill this one? Surely it would be a mercy. Because they are still children of God. You bring the child to the doctor. If he can help them, he will. If not, they die. But those that live become our charge. We care for them as best that we can. Give them what life they can manage. And we do not speak of this. Where do they come from? From the same place as the Genkenna and all evil things that live where our backs are turned. That girl did not live. But there's always Moa. When Mother died, her duties fell to me. The doctor was always eager to help. That man. He looks down upon the old ways even as he benefits from them. But we don't speak of the mountain children, except when I bring another to him. Boys and girls. Some almost human, but for protruding teeth, hard scales, or split toes, a wrecked spine, a missing leg, bleeding eyes. Most died within days. Some lasted longer. I looked after them in the nursery. Within our church, I made for them a home. This is the task given to the sisters, to care for our lost children, all of them. The mountain children could not be controlled. They bit and raged, broke things and soiled themselves. I did what I had to. My scars are proof of the cost of my oaths to the mothers. The children only answer to the rod, but I did my best to give them a life for the few years before their bodies failed. I had to keep them in the root cellar when whole, unspoiled foundlings needed my care. So when Catherine came to stay with me, I had not had a mountain child in years. It's not uncommon to find orphans here. Hard lives lead to hard choices, or neglect. But we sisters take in all needy children, not just the ones the mountain sends to us. 
Word came from the doctor that Clement Powell had found an orphan and brought her to him. He had been seeing her for a week, but thought it time a sister took her in. A healthy, red-haired girl, of almost two, so we reckoned by her size and her teeth. We asked in all the hollers and the towns, but could not find who her parents might be. And she was calm and quiet, like a stone. She seldom cried, kept watch upon my day, staring at me, moving soft as a shadow. No one came for her, none asked after her. Red hair is bad luck, and none wanted her. So I named her Catherine made a mine. And since I had no children of my own, I thought, perhaps when she had come of age, I would teach her to be Kilruin's sister. Anything else, sister? But she proved to be a difficult child. A pound of sorghum flour, sugar too. Destructive, willful, and unrepentant. Took the firmest of hands to make her mind. Your red hair has a machete there. Catherine, put it down or I'll whip you. She never smiled. She never laughed. What is she doing in my store? Give me that. Charles, watch out. Uh, my arm. Uh. You vicious child. You unwanted family. Get her out. Uh, don't you bring her back to my store, sister. She watched his blood run down his wounded arm. No remorse, only curiosity. There's a hole in that girl, empty and cold. Abandonment was why I reckoned then. How many nights has she spent alone out there in the shadow of the mountain? Other old evils in the Gankana keep watch upon us from the thin places. I had hoped to give her a Christian life. But it seems he had already found her. Catherine? Where are you, girl? Answer me. Autumn. The shadows were growing longer as they stretched towards winter and sown. The churchyard was covered with fallen leaves. A late wind kept blowing the candles out. Don't leave the church door open, girl, you hear? It's nearly out of dark. We must go in. You are never truly safe in Kilruin. But the Gankana sleeps in the winter. Don't make me get the strap, child. Catherine? But it wasn't winter yet. Catherine! Oh, child, get you in the church. She stood in the churchyard, just four years old, in the little blue dress I made for her. The dry leaves whirled and danced around her feet. The mountain's trees swayed in rhythmic prayer. But she only saw him. There, at his feet. Are you gonna beat this child, sister of Kilrill? He moved to me, his fingers caressing her red curls as he passed. Others help me. Mary, Bridget, and Easter stand with me. He was so tall and broad, thick with muscle. Skin red-brown, like forever stained with mud. He was naked and unashamed of it. His eyes shone like a bright silver river running for miles until it found the sea. 
the devil. The love talker. Gankana. As he approached, I felt a flush of heat pass through me, full of fear and of desire. His voice was like little tongues in my ear. I was afraid. I was captivated. But I kept thinking of sweet Lavinia, all broken and cold at my feet, smiling. And so I faced him, and I held my ground. Get thee behind me, Satan. What is your name, girl? I will not treat with you. I will not listen. I will not deal with you. You will if I wish it. What is your name, girl? It's just a name. A little thing. It's not even yours. Someone gave it to you when you were born. Easy enough to give back. Stop! Don't you think you're overreacting? Just give me a name. That's it. Open your mouth and let it out. I didn't want to. I fought to say no. But he makes it feel so good to give in. Geneva! Except for after. The shame and disgust boiled up in my throat. Weakness. Betrayal. There. Not so bad, is it? We're just talking, right? There's another name you should know. Lavinia. For a moment, there's nothing in his eyes. No flicker of recognition. But then... Yes. She had clear skin, pretty dark hair, a curious mind. She is kin to you. My sister. How is she? Dead. Fallen from the mountain over her love for you. He gives no sign of feeling at this news. The only concession he makes is... Pity. My hunting knife rests deep in my pocket. My hand closes around it. I step close. Devil, there is no pity for you here. He's so fast. My knife cuts not but the air. He strikes me. A blow I don't see coming. I am cut and bleeding. It feels as if I had been struck with a thorny tree branch. Now that was unnecessary. I'd only come to talk. Leave this place. No. Let's talk a while now. We need to come to an understanding. That's a handsome knife. Antler handle. Someone brought down a deer for that. You use arrows and guns and sometimes even your bare hands to take prey like that. But no matter what you use, it's always bloody in the end, isn't it? Pick up the knife, Ginevra. Go on. Pick it up. I do as he asks. And why shouldn't I? Good girl. That's a sturdy blade, too. It's clever, taking the metal from the earth, learning how to shape it. It's carried you beyond your station, but y'all have about reached your limit. You're not built to have that much imagination. Is it sharp? Sharp enough to gut you. Oh, I'm sure. Tell me, Ginevra, have you ever lain with a man 
I take that as a no. Do none of the men here find you worthy? A woman of some power and authority? Not enough? Well, who could compare to the beautiful Lavinia? Cursed by God, get back to hell! You live a solitary life. Have you ever wondered what it felt like to be taken by a man? As you lay alone in your little room in the back of the church, your body aching from the day's work, your heart aching from loneliness, I bet you've wondered. And you know, if you took that knife and ran it slowly in and out of your belly, or your chest, or your throat, why, I bet it would feel just like that. Holy mothers, help me. Save me. The knife shakes in my hand. I raise it up. Gone now. Put the tip of it against your throat. You've always wanted to know. And it's gonna feel good. Isn't it? I lift the blade. The tip cuts my bare skin. It's a little hot ember of pleasure. Even as the blood pools around the wound. Oh, I want to push. I want to push deep. But looking past him, I see Catherine, the dark-eyed child, standing in the dead leaves, watching me with her solemn, callous eyes. I think of how I saw Lavinia die. What child should endure such a thing? Please, please don't. Not in front of the girl. Well then, for her sake, put the knife down. (gasps) Shall I tell you what haunts me to this day? That even after I had let it go, that even after his warm words had cooled, I did not want to drop the knife at all. A small part of me would have eagerly pushed it in, over and over and over, not stopping when I fell among the graves and this world's light forever left my eyes. And this is the evil of our mountain. And since it is for her sake that we are still talking, I want you to take better care of her. I am interested to see what this girl grows into. So I am going to be checking up on her. And you. You have my attention now, Geneva See that you take care. And he walked out. Blending with the darkness till there was no telling which part was him. Catherine watched him go. Cold. Calm. Curious. After the first no, when I thought he slept, I found a home for her down in Saltville. I sent her away. I had to, you see. She drew the devil to the church. And to me. The gang Hannah always threatens kill ruin, but we have found a way to coexist. Our gifts to him, 
a respect for his world. But with his eyes on Catherine and me, he walked our streets, came to our very doors. I do not know what he wanted with her, but that he did could only cause evil. To protect the town, I sent her away. And when it comes spring, I would pay the price. Who's there? The smell of soil is carried on the breeze coming through my window, filling my room. And then, he is there. Oh God, he is there, over me, perched on the foot of my bed. He's naked and powerful and muddy. His bright eyes are burning out of the dark. The wind fans the embers in the fireplace. He doesn't speak, only stares, accusing. She, she's gone. She died. Took sick over winter, caught pneumonia. I, I did all I could to save her, but it was not meant to be. Can the devil tell when you are lying? I'm sure with but a few words of his own, he could make me tell him, well, anything. He just stared. His beautiful face, mad, and for a moment, hurt. Somehow lonely. And then, like the wind itself, he returned to his woods and his night through my window. I haven't seen him since, just his hunger. He still takes what he wants from all of us. Our hiding day gifts sometimes don't suit him. Careless girls go missing every summer. They've forgotten. They stay out after dark. They don't cover their bodies from his eyes. They don't renew the witch marks on their homes. Oh, foolish girls who get themselves ensnared. It's their own fault. You can't stop the devil. You can only take precautions and pray. Sixteen years since last I saw Gincana. I had begun to think that I could put the matter of Catherine behind me. I'm warning you, motherfuckers. I am not some hillbride you can mess around with. I will rip your goddamn balls off. But I am a fool. And she has returned. And the devil draws near to us once more. Hear her failing holy ground with her shouts? Her profanity will bring him to us. I swear to fucking Christ, I will rip open your bellies and strangle you with your own gut. Foolish girl. And foolish Genevieve. You shall not blaspheme here on holy ground. Or have you lost your lessons? Her return means something, though nothing good. I need time to find out why she has come back. I go by Wren now. Huh. Not to me. But you should come inside. The night is unfit for homecomings. A house built in darkness dwells in darkness. Stranger, I am a sister of Kilruin. I walk 
in the thin places of the world. I know the marks of power and the deep truths. Never doubt that I know what evil is. You cannot judge me. The Love Talker Episode 3, Genevery, was written and directed by W. Keith Timms. Sound designed, engineered, and composed by M.T. Goins. Featuring Jamie Lynn Marcos as Sister Genevery, Aaron B. Lillis as Mother, Whitney Holland as Lavinia, Will Sanker as Charles, and W. Keith Timms as The Love Talker. The Love Talker is a production of Alien Ghost Robot and Celebrity Tumor, and is produced by C.J. Penrith and Nancy C. Timms, associate producer Greg Smith, for more information, visit thelovetalker.com. Tell your friends and family about the show and kindly leave stars or reviews on your favorite podcast platforms. And be careful out there on the mountain. In 2023, six individuals with unique pasts received mysterious invitations to a website that calls itself The Rift. Data segregation is a priority one initiative. One member of the small group claims to have decoded The Rift's mysterious schematics and built something extraordinary. I am going to put the device to the back of his skull and pull the trigger. <laughs> what the? The remaining five members travel to Orlando, Florida, where they hope to uncover the true nature of the rift and its potential connection to their own mysterious pasts. We lost so much infrastructure through the fall. Like this happened the, this past fall? Are you also on the rift? What they discover is much more than they originally bargained for. Hidden rooms, a long desiccated body, a computer that operates itself a device seemingly designed to cause brain damage, and the crumbling edges of reality all await. This isn't like a euphemism, we're not gonna go out back and just get fucked up, right? Come find out what's in the, the rift. rift. Available everywhere you get your podcasts on October 1st.
It's like I told you. No idea how I got inside. That memory jumps to an interior. I will tell you about that time I worked as a courier. I will tell it, and it will linger. Celebrity Tumor presents Delivery I know you got questions about him. Where did he come from? How did he do all those things they say he did? Was he a terrorist? Was he crazy? Was his skin really blue? Well, I'll tell you what I know. I was there with him, driving through the back roads under the stars. I was witness to wonders and miracles, and to the darkness that's coursing through the veins of our country. He came to fight it in his own strange way, but no one leaves that fight unchanged. Not even Rael. People ought to know the truth. And I was there. The Book of Constellations is a down-to-earth sci-fi road trip. It's audio fiction, and you can find episodes at bookofconstellations.com or wherever you get your podcasts.